Hello everyone, welcome back to the Lifetime Booking Podcast. My name is Stephen Hook and together we have been looking at the in-ring life and career of one uh, AEW's pack. We are in his WWE years at the moment where he currently wrestles as Neville. He came in as Adrian Neville, did the whole spiel in NXT, was NXT champion, was two-time NXT tag team champion, got brought up to the main roster last uh, episode and in the last episode it was kind of like a tale of two halves um between 2015 and 2016 2015 he came in he was in the 2015 king of the ring he was in matches against the lights of uh sheamus bad news barrett chris jericho he challenged for the world heavyweight championship he challenged for the united states championship he was part of a program between uh, Stardust, Cody Rhodes, and Stephen Mel from Arrow. And he won himself a Slammy for most bonkers man or breakout star. You know, they're the same thing. And yeah, 2015 for Neville was pretty good um, as far as lighter, more flippy kind of superstars go. And just in general, like I... Mentioned it at the end of last episode. His first year when he was main roster. They put so much stock into him. And it's kind of sad to see where things went with him. And it did start in 2016. He made his Royal Rumble debut at the start of the year. Um, Just sort of like meandering all over the place. uh, Dealing with the fallout of the League of Nations stable. Which he effectively made. And then we get to March. And he had that bad ankle injury. In a match against Chris Jericho that sidelined him for a few months. And when he came back, he just never quite hit the momentum he had in 2015. Um, Eventually slipping further and further down the card to almost obscurity. uh, Wrestling predominantly on superstars, if at all. And then in December, he came out after Rich Swan successfully defended his Cruiserweight Championship. At Roadblock, end of the line against uh, the Brian Kendrick and TJ Perkins. Uh, Neville came out. You kind of knew what was going to happen. He had a big old cheery grin. And then as he got to the ring, he went to, uh, stuck his hand out to shake it. And then just started decking Rich Swan. And that's where we left him at the end of last episode. He is turned. He's turned into a big old dick. He's turned into a big old Healy dick. Um, and he is vying for the Cruiserweight Championship. And yeah, it is a weird time for old Nevy Nev. Uh, you get the feeling that he might. Well, him dropping into like the properly the 205 Live division and the Cruiserweight division, you kind of get the idea that it is. It does feel like a demotion, but based on what he did with NXT when he got to NXT and it was still in his like its early fledging years and how much he managed to um, get that get the development of brand over and how he was like the focal point when NXT was getting onto the network and getting a lot more uh, featured eyes on it. He was the champion. He was front and center. He represented that brand. So there, I get, think you can kind of hope that something like that's going to happen now with 205 Live and the Cruiserweight division. Will we get that? Oh boy, howdy. Uh, you're going to have to stick around and have a have a wee listen for the next hour or so as we go through the years of 2017 and 2018 uh, for the life of Neville in the WWE. We'll kick off then with 2017 and obviously he would 
primarily work on 205 Live with the other Cruiserweights because that was, I think 205 Live was established in 2016 following the Cruiserweight Classic. And they're like, yeah, we're going to take them seriously. And it was like less than three months before they were like, oh, it exists. Um, so yeah, Neville was in 205 Live. He uh, went on a crusade that would later be known as becoming the king of the cruiserweights. Or the king of the cruiserweights. Again, I feel like I'm both Scottish. Apparently, I don't know where Newcastle is. Um, and yeah, 2017, he would have 110 matches overall. Uh, which is pretty decent numbers. I'm going to do a quick thing. It's more than we had last year. And that was, okay, marred with injury a little bit. But there are some caveats with his match numbers and his whole 2017 in general, which we will get to. Oh, boy. Um, it's, uh, hmm. it's a, certainly a time in our boy Neville's life. But... As with any good year, we will start with the January. And on TV, Neville is just continuing to plow through the Cruiserweight division. He's picking up wins against TJP, Lince Dorado, uh, Cedric Alexander. Uh, I remember him having really good chemistry with Cedric Alexander, actually. So they were always good fun to, matches to have, or to watch, sorry. On the 10th of January episode of 205 Live, um, the current... Well, then current Cruiserweight Champion Rich Swan came out and challenged Neville to a match. Remember, uh, in the December, following Roadblock, end of the line, his triple threat match, Neville came out and attacked Rich Swan. That started or caused Neville's heel turn and saying, like, you bastards. And so, yeah, Rich is now like, well, you are a dick. And now I want to beat you up. And I'm going to do it for my Cruiserweight Championship, which I, I, in the formula of wrestling, it makes sense. But in any other situation... Imagine going to a club night and saying, I'm going to fight you. And if I lose, I'm going to give you 20 quid. Because that's pretty much how much 205 Live Championship is worth. But yeah, it's a weird one. Wrestling doesn't make sense inherently. Um, but that's where we live in. Uh, Neville obviously accepts. It's a chance for a Cruiserweight Championship opportunity. And it gets him another chance to beat up Rich Swan. So yeah. Royal Rumble, it is going to be Rich Swan versus Neville for the Cruiserweight Championship. And wouldn't you just know it, at the Royal Rumble pay-per-view, <gasps> Neville does a win. In 14 minutes on the dot, according to my very good sources at cagematch.net, Neville picks up the win against Rich Swan. He is your brand new Cruiserweight Champion. A Again, to like draw parallels to NXT... NXT in its early stages put the title on pack. I know I it's slightly different. I think NXT in this current guys was a year or two in, and they already had Seth Rollins and Big E, but they were oh and Bo Dallas. But none of them, apart from maybe Bo, had the same aura around the brand in the same way that Neville did. So putting the championship on Neville early, hopefully do the same. We were the champions before Neville. It was Rich Swan, TJP. Who was the heel in between them? Was it... Was it the Brian Kendrick one in, in the middle? I don't know. No one cares about that division. It's sad. Um, but yeah. Neville made Rich Swan. I think I remember watching this match. If it's the one I'm thinking of. He goes to the top rope. like, ooh. You're going to hit your red arrow. Get our cameras ready. And he's like, you know what? Fuck you lot. I'm not going to do flippy cool shit. And he jumps down and puts him in like a rings of satin kind of move. 
locks Bo's arm, wrenches on the neck, tap out victory. Uh, I know nowadays he calls it the Brutalizer. I don't know if it had a name at the time. I think for the first month or so, it's just called Neville's gone for the submission. He's, he's got him with the submission. I'm like, what does that mean? There's lots of submission. What's he going for a toe lock? You prick. Uh, I don't know why I'm so angry today. Um, but yeah, new Cruiserweight champion is our boy Neville. Uh, that isn't the only like big event he worked in January. In the end of January on the WWE Network, there was a WWE United Kingdom Championship tournament to crown the inaugural WWE UK Championship. Champion. Just champion, not championship. Can't believe it's been five years of the UK Championship division, of which has been three champions? Wild. Um, so yeah, it is night two of the two-day event. Um, I, oh, I've got myself doubting now because there was a second version. No, that was the... I know Zach Gibson won one but lost in the championship match. I think this must have been... Yeah, this was the inaugural one. What am I doing, Stephen? Just shut the fuck up and read. Um, Neville comes out and he's saying how it's a travesty. He wasn't uh, even considered for the tournament. It pisses him off that he wasn't even considered for the tournament. Uh, he should just be named champion because he's the greatest fighter this country has ever produced. Uh, he's he's up there. He's certainly up there. Um, and all this has happened, and he's saying, I dare anyone to come out here and face me like a man. I don't know why I did that. And of all people, he is interrupted by some big, spooky goth lad uh, called Tommy End. Now, Tommy End, by this point, he got a huge, huge reception uh, from the live crowd in Blackpool. Um, obviously, UK fans tend to be a bit more with it with European indie wrestling, shocker. And he is very well known on the indie scenes. He is a former Dub Unified World Wrestling Champion. He's a two-time WX Dub 16-karat gold tournament winner, which is their, their big thing. It's pretty much like a championship over there. Um, he's been a tag team champion with WX Dub, Progress, Icy Dub. He's a, he's a big fixture in European wrestling, uh, and we would all come to know him as Alistair Black in WWE. Mostly NXT, but WWE in general. Never would pick up the win in less than 10 minutes with the... Yeah. Never would pick up the... R's and W's, come on. Neville would pick up the win with a red arrow. R's and W's, they are difficult. In a match that went just under 10 minutes. Um, yeah, a very like sound of the fair, shiny new toy sort of thing. You kind of get why Neville won, like comparatively to his shiny toy match. But then his shiny toy match was against Sakamoto. Um, this is slightly different. But it's just a way for Neville to get a cool match in and it's a UK boy in a UK event pay-per-view thing. That's business. I keep slapping my microphone because I'm very army today. That's January in a nutshell. Let's move on to February. Neville achieved just a single solitary victory on TV throughout the month of February. Uh, I didn't write down his complete like win-loss for the month, but I seem to remember he was involved in a lot of uh, tag team matches, a lot of the, the short Cruiseweight tag team matches that took place on Raw, which was just followed by the he um, headline, please come watch our shows, the good guys win sometime. Um, and then you find, you actually watch and you find out that you get to 205 Live and it's just Neville murdering TJP constantly. Um, and that win happened on Valentine's Day too, so 
Couldn't happen to a better guy, quite frankly. Uh, on the live scene, it's just mostly Neville versus Rich Swan in the Road to WrestleMania tour. That included Europe, so big paps in our side of the globe. Into March then, and on TV, it's a standard cruise rate murdering thing. He's in matches against Rich Swan, Mustafa Ali, Jack Gallagher. And then we get to the pay-per-view for March. It was Fastlane. Um, he successfully defends his WWE Cruiserweight Championship against Jack Gallagher. Wins with the red arrow. Goes home. Everyone goes home happy. At least I do. The following night on Raw, after defeating Rich Swan, um, Neville is confronted by Austin Aries. Uh, remember when we all liked him? God, so do I. Uh, it's setting up a few that run into WrestleMania. Austin Aries had recently debuted on main following an orbital socket injury. Uh, he was a huge star for TNA and Impact. He was a former world champion, tag team champion, a six-time X Division champion. And if my numbers are correct, he still remains the longest reigning uh, X Division champion in the company's history. He was the company's fifth Triple Crown champion and the fifth Grand Slam champion. He's also been a two-time Ring of Honor champion, a Ring of Honor tag team champion. And in 2013, he was named number 12 in the PWI 500. He is a man of many accolades. Um, nothing in NXT, though. Uh, I remember him debuting. I can't even remember who he debuted against. Was it against, was it against our boy Breezy? I can't even remember. Um, he had like a handful of matches on NXT. I uh, I can't even remember. I was going to say against Baron Corbin, he injured his eye, but I honestly can't remember. He popped his eye. Um, oh, it might have even been on the lives, actually, because I remember the picture came out, and it's just his, like, one side of his head is just black and blue and swollen and looked gnarly. Um, but yeah, he's up on main now, and he's like, hey, Neville, I'm a dick, but I'm the good guy, dick. You're the bad guy, dick. Give me your championship. And he's like, no. So then they yeah, just start feuding and that sort of thing before we get to their uh wrestlemania match though just on the live scene there's a there's a continuation of the road to wrestlemania tour more wins against rich swan but multiple non-title losses against austin aries hmm cast shadow of doubt i see and not likely we need to worry because then we get into uh april and we get into wrestlemania 32 neville finally gets his WrestleMania uh, appearance and payday. Spoilers, no, he doesn't. Um, so, yeah, in a match that went 19 minutes, which I so did not realize it went on for this long, um, Neville successfully defended his WWE Cruiserweight Championship in a match that was completely and utterly cursed and doomed. So, for a start, this match plus... Um, a few of the matches, so the Dean Ambrose versus Baron Corbin for the Intercontinental Championship match, the 33-man Andre the Giant Memorial Battle Royal, uh, which was won by Mojo Rawley. Uh, all of these these three matches were not included. They're all pre-show matches, and they were not included on the WrestleMania 32 DVD. Thus meaning, none of those men, none of the 33 in the Battle Royal, not Dean Ambrose, not Baron Corbin, not Austin Aries, and not Neville, None of them got a WrestleMania DVD paycheck. They got no royalties. Um, understandably, that rubbed quite a few people up the wrong way. Most notably, Mr. Aries, who, um, when he would leave the company in July 2017, he would brag a lot on the internet about how much money he could earn on the quote-unquote independent scene and with... 
uh, TNA. I was trying to think they were Impact by this point, and just anywhere else. I think after this, uh, when he left the company, Aries became a belt collector anyway. So yeah, he was earning pretty decent money. I I, I can't remember if Drew McIntyre left by this point, but he would do something similar uh, if and when he left. There, I, th- I was going to say uh, Stu Bennett, but he didn't really do much in wrestling after he left WWE. But the the president was there, or the pretense was there for people to leave the dub and to get better money elsewhere because of business decisions like this. Um, yeah, and that like burgeoning resentment that Aries had quite quickly, it would it would hit Neville too, but it would. It wouldn't manifest itself for a a wee while to come, so it, he's a he's a bit of a time bomb at the moment. But like I said, at least Nev kind of got a WrestleMania match. He missed out on the ladder match the previous year because of it, that ankle injury. Uh, the Intercontinental ladder match, which he would have been so sick at, and his spot was taken by Zack Ryder. So who knows? What that word have meant for our Geordie, Geordie lad. So, it happens. It's a weird old time. We've just gone through another Black Wednesday in the WWE. It's a bag of cunts. So, after WrestleMania, we go back to Tuva. And Neville is beating up a lot of cruiserweights again. Mustafa Ali, Jack Gallagher, the usual assortment. Uh, meanwhile, oh, sorry. Meanwhile, on the 4th of April episode of 205 Live... Austin Aries wins a fatal four-way match against Gentleman Jack Gallagher, Mustafa Ali, Mustafa, I'm even saying Mustafa wrong, Mustafa Ali, excuse me, and TJ Perkins, fatal four-way match to earn a rematch against Big Nev at Payback. That happens also in April. Aries wins the match via disqualification because Neville grabbed the referee as he was locked in, and as he was locked in Aries' French Chancery submission. Um, and the referee was like, you don't do that, and he disqualified him, and yeah, another reason why Aries became quite cross with WWE Creative. Uh, along the way, though, Neville did actually get a friend. Um, TJP turned heel, got rid of Erkins, just went by TJP. So yeah, it's Nevin, TJP, the power of friendship. So yay, I guess. Uh, Life scene, nothing really major going on. Just several Cruiserweight Championship defences against Mr. Ares. Tiptoeing into May, and there's not a great deal going on. Uh, TV, it's mostly just Neville and his new BFF taking on Ares and Jack Gallagher. Uh, TJP says that he's hanging out with Neville because Neville has promised him a championship match if he stands by him. So, you know, he'll keep hold of the bell and then eventually he's like, okay... Now me and you go one on one, Sunny Jim, and it's like okay, yeah, that's that's a reason for a partnership, I guess. But um, it's two or five live. Remember, I remember when they were thinking about trying to get a two or five live or a cruiserweight tag team division, and they put the same three tag teams against each other for about a month hoping that that would cause a tag team division. And then when they realized that having those three teams in tag team matches left like three people who were all storyline hating each other. And that was lit. That that was a summation of the Cruiserweight tag team title division. Oh, 205 Live, you don't deserve this, do you? 
Moving into June then, and on pay-per-view, on Papava, Neville does successfully defend his uh, Cruiserweight Championship again against Mr. Aries. Uh, this time it's a submission match that goes 17 and a half minutes, and it finishes their kind of bizarre best of three. Um, obviously, Neville got the win at WrestleMania. Aries got a disqualification win at Fastlane, and now in the most extreme rule of all, a submission match. Uh, Neville wins with the, it might be a brutalizer, it might not be submission. It was a fun little uh, feud ender between them. And then, you know, back on TV, Neville is defending against TJP, which was always the deal. Uh, just giving it as much for being a friend. And yeah, that, that sees off Austin Aries. He's gone within the month. So, you know. Uh, as for the TJP match, TJP is kind of tweenery in the match because he's a prick, but he's up against Nev, who is like the mega prick. So it's kind of, yeah, he's, he's, you can't, this is the thing that WWE really struggles. You can't have two people the same volition. Like you can't have two heels against each other. You can't have two faces against each other. You've got to, one of them has to work a certain way. Just sort of crowd know what to do. And like, who do we boo? Who do we cheer? What do we do? Um, I'd like to say, like, most wrestling fans aren't stupid, but most wrestling fans are stupid. We are, we're the worst. For the rest of June on TV, it's mostly just more 205 Live domination. Uh, live scene, uh, we're now kicking off the SummerSlam Heatwave Tour. Lots of matches against Austin Aries and Akira Tozawa. And there's the start of a very brief tour of Japan as well. And obviously, never can go back there. He definitely wasn't back in a previous life in Dragon Gate. And no one will remember him. But, you know, it, it, it's how it goes. We've, I spoke about it last time. Uh, let's go into July instead. On TV, after seeing off Austin Aries and TJP, Neville then turns his attention to Akira Tozawa. Uh, Tozawa's got a title picture thanks to his association with Titus O'Neil and being part of Titus Worldwide. Um, which, oh god, that's a weird, I remember that now. Uh, the great pay-per-view, the great balls of fire kickoff show, uh, Cruiserweight Championship is on the line, Neville successfully re retains against Akira Tozawa in a match that went just over 10 minutes, uh, smashed him with a spinning back kick, which is a, you know, a weird way to win for Neville, I guess they might have got bored of submission, and they still don't want to do the red arrow too much, but... Okay, back on TV, and it's just more of a continuation of the Neville and Tazawa program. On the 25th of July episode of 205 Live, uh, Davari, of all people, picks up a win against Nev. Uh, he shoves Neville into Tazawa, who was sat ringside, and before he can get back in the ring, he gets counted out, if memory serves. And there's like a pole. It was a weird, weird thing. Neville's out there looking re-pissed off. Um, and in the post-match, Neville and Sawa get a war of words because you did this. No, you did this. No, he did this. Oh my God, the storyline was so badly written. Everything's so bad. I think I realize why I'm angry now. I just keep thinking about WWE. Good thing I'm not doing a podcast about them. Hey. Into August then. And this is where it gets one of like the weirdest championship transitions in most recent memory that I can think of. So on the 14th of August episode of Monday Night Raw, the go-home Raw to SmackDown, Neville, 
defends his Cruiserweight Championship against Akira Tozawa. Akira Tozawa wins. They have a match booked for SummerSlam. Tozawa defeated uh, Davari in a number one contenders match. And they decide to bring the match forward. Now, it was spoken about at the time that one source even speculated that Neville was going to be suspended for some reason. And WWE needed to get the belt off him. Others thought it meant that Neville was going to go back to the proper actual cannibal main roster. And like challenge for something like the Intercontinental Championship. But none of that quite happened. So the actual championship reign of Neville and the Cruiserweight Championship. 197 days at the time. It was the longest title reign of this iteration of the belt. Um, as I live and breathe here in the year of our Lord 2021. It is the third longest reign of all time still behind uh, Jordan Devlin and Santos Escobar. Um, and yeah, so they brought the match back. You think, okay, Neville's going to go on to do bigger things or he's going to be suspended or, you know, driving up some shenanigans. And then on the SummerSlam kickoff show, six days later, Neville recaptures the Cruiserweight Championship from Akira Dozawa. Um... Hmm. So, I can't think of anything that would that I've read that sort of links why they did this. Um, I don't know if they're just trying to be, oh, look at us, we're so unpredictable. You never know what's going to happen on Monday night. Blah, 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 blah. I have no idea. It's just odd. He got the number one contenders match. It's like, okay, we're going to fight at SummerSlam. Raw happens. Like, what if we fight right now? Cool. The match is done. When do you want your rematch? What about for our actual scheduled match at SummerSlam? Okay. Oh, no. I've lost. Like, what? I just don't understand. I suppose, if nothing else, this does mean that Neville becomes the first ever two-time WWE Cruiserweight Champion of this iteration of the belt. So, that is something... As we return to TV then, following this weird run for around SummerSlam, on the 22nd of August episode of 205 Live, the 205 Live after SummerSlam, there is a rematch again between Neville and Akira Dozawa. This time, Neville retains. And it, again, just odd and weird. After the match, Neville is met by the newest member of the 205 Live roster. Drum roll. It is Enzo Amore. We're in that part of 205 Live. So, Enzo has had a very mixed bag of a main roster run. From So, he debuted on main roster in April 2016. He got called up to the main with Big Cast the night after WrestleMania 32. It was in a... Oh, God, the pop was big... Uh, I'm just trying to think. Was it against New Day or was it against uh, Dudley Boys? I think it was against uh, it was against Dudley Boys because they tore them to shreds. Um, so yeah, huge pop for Enzo and Big Cass as they debuted on Main in his pay per view debut, which I think was a number one contenders match, which they were meant to win. Um, Enzo and Big Cass versus the Vault Villains. Enzo got knocked the heck out um, on the pay per view debut. He got shot underneath the bottom rope and he just sort of ricocheted his head, got heavy concuss, and I think the match just got thrown out entirely. Um, never like, never a nice thing to see a wrestler get injured, no matter your opinions of him, but a bit of a grim spot. 
but that was that was his pay-per-view debut. How you doing? Um, following that, he became mates with, along with Big Cass, they became mates with John Cena. As John Cena was feuding with AJ Styles, so it became John Cena, Enzo Amore, and Big Cass versus AJ Styles and the club, uh, Luke Gallows and Carl Anderson. He was then drafted to Raw with Big Cass, and they started a feud with Kevin Owens and Chris Jericho. Remember the first little friendship, it still hurts. After that, Enzo specifically feuded with Rusev. After Enzo went for a shower, Enzo stole all his clothes and locked him outside the locker room naked. He bumped into Lana whilst hanging dong, and Rusev was like, What are you doing? And he's like, And so, yeah, they he beat up a naked man, if I remember correctly. And then Lana tries to seduce him, and he's like, Cool, here's me in my silk shorts. And then Rusev came out. I was like, "I'm just going to merge her again because you now you're trying to you're actively trying to shag my wife." And he's like, "I don't be a hater," and just got his ass whipped. Following Rusev, um, there was pretty much nothing for Enzo and Cass until the 22nd of May episode of Monday Night Raw in 2017. He is found unconscious. And everyone's like, who done it? Big Cass is going around saying, I'm going to murder the dude who did this. I remember at one point he got into Corey Graves' face like, I'm going to look that man in the eye. And when he realizes what he has done, I'm going to kick the shit out of him. And you cannot teach that, can you, Coral? And then it ended up being Big Cass. Um, what a twist. The feud then turned into Big Cass versus The Big Show because The Big Show felt sorry for Enzo. That led to a shark cage above the ring match for SummerSlam, the, the pay-per-view we just had. Oh my god, I didn't realize it was literally the pay-per-view we just had. Show versus Cass. During the match, Enzo is in the cage above the ring. He then strips off to his in his boxes again. Covers themselves with oil, slips out, falls to the ring, gets immediately nailed by Big Cass, and then Cass wins the match. And then Big Cass got legit injured, I believe, on the Monday. Oh, it must have been on the Monday Night Raw just gone, uh, which ended the feud right there and then. Uh, thanks for coming. How you doing? And then here we are with. Enzo now in 205 Live because his main feud on Raw has gone down the toilet because like the one of the main guys is now very injured. All the while, as this is all happening from probably even beyond NXT actually, uh, even his NXT days, multiple sources, multiple people have come out and said Enzo is a colossal pain in the ass to work with. He is that character you see on TV, that's the character he portrays in real life, and it's kind of annoying. And there's all sorts of stories of uh, Enzo and Cass getting kicked off buses, um, getting told to change somewhere else, just getting ignored, um, causing issues, and everyone else is like, can you just chill the fuck out for 10 minutes? It's like, oh, you can't teach that. And it's like, oh, God. I, I, I imagine having him as a housemate. Oh, my God. That'd be awful. But... There was a time where they were super over and we loved them. Don't pretend like you didn't. You fucking loved that shit. But yeah, that is Neville's new 
challenger for the Cruiserweight Championship. Um, I kind of like it as much as I don't like Enzo Amore as a uh, person by this point because just there's only so many times you can hear you can't teach that and think he's done all these horrible things. There's loads of people saying he's an asshole. And I can't just go with can't teach that and then forgive him. So that's the whole thing. Um, but I like the idea of someone from Maine just freshen it up because by this point, two or five life was like the same ten guys week in and week out. It was your Davaris, your Gulaks, your Ali's, your Gallagher's, uh, Swan, Alexander, Neville, uh, Callisto. I'm gonna try and get more now. Lince Dorado. Oh uh, God, what was it? What's the other one of Luchao's party? Lince Dorado, Grand Matalik. I think that's the entire two or five live division. Oh. Noam Dar, that's 12. I think I'm doing alright. Um, so it's the same guy, same dozen or so guys doing the same thing in and out, in and out, in and out. So, so that's when Fresh from Raw come in to 205 Live. Um, yeah, I thought it could have been something really cool. Uh, Enzo going around with the 205 Live division, which they always said, like, these guys can actually do a wrestle. And everyone kept saying Enzo couldn't, so it could have been really cool. Spoilers, it wasn't. And yeah, so that takes us to the end of August. Live scene is just Neville beating up Akira Zaro a lot. Let's go into September. Um, on TV, it's mostly just Enzo and Neville trading promos across 205 Live. Um, and then it led to No Mercy in September. And it is Neville defending his Cruiserweight Championship. They're prestigious. WWE Cruiserweight Championship against our boy Enzo and Neville fucking loses. Enzo Amore, that fella that done has a silly haircut, everything's leopard print, you can't teach that, bonafide stud, don't be a hater, um, is naked a weird amount on WWE TV. He is your brand new WWE Cruiserweight Champion. Oh boy. So Neville, his second reign with the belt lasted just 35 days. The match itself between him and Enzo did not get a lot of positive response in the immediate aftermath. So here's a quick um, compilation, we'll say, of thoughts and opinions from the match. Uh, poor match. Okay. A negative surprise, which I quite like. Austin Aries is all like, and now you know why I left. Topical. A major calm down. This is because the match followed uh, John Cena versus Roman Reigns. Another trash match with a terrible ending, booking and an insult for the entire division. Fucking ow. Uh, finally, a total failure. I never thought I would describe a match as bad when Neville is involved. That's that's like the general vibe of 205 Live at this point. There's a lot of good talent. There's a lot of bad matches. But Neville is the one that's setting everything apart. Because he's Neville and he's a Cruiserweight Champion. He's doing everything he should be doing. Except the company won't get behind them, etc, etc. We all know how it goes. Um, This whole thing with Neville dropping the belt and Enzo... Winning and, ev and everyone on the internet is like, oh, this is shit. Enzo, shit. You're shit. I'm shit. Um, 
does this speak more to Enzo being a top heel? Or does it speak to how beloved Neville was and had been becoming? Because I think a lot of people by this point had recognised how much effort Neville was trying to put in and how much he was being woefully undervalued as a competitor. And I think it's just a combination of that, that second point, everyone realised that Neville deserves so much better, but not Enzo being seen as a top heel. People just did not like Enzo because of so many stories about him just being a horrible human being. Um, but so where does it take us? It takes us back to TV on the on the night after No Mercy, on the twenty fifth of September episode of Monday Night Raw. Enzo Amore holds a championship celebration, which acts as the main event for the night. Uh, he brings out the entire two or five live division, with the exception of Mister Neville. And just starts going on about how he's so great. He is so smart. SMORT. And I think he's got like a framed shirt that's got his name on it. Um, he's talking about how um, he's made it to the third hour. Because this was not long after Raw was made. Three hours. Remember when it was two. Remember when you knew how to smile. Um, so yeah, Enzo's going off about how great of a champion he is. How he beat Neville. And then, speak of the devil. Mr. Nev Nev comes out a little bit later looking like shit um still in his ring gear because i don't think he has any other clothes um but he comes out lots of bags under the eyes looking very gaunt um uh, while still heavily jacked as ever hair all down in front of his face just looking very very sullen and sad um enzo mori continues to taunt him um uh, he taunts him about never seeing the main event arrow when he was champion even though he definitely deserved that um, and how he sees Neville as the... He looks like the baby of Frodo and Gollum. Because highbrow humor in the WWE is all that we know. Neville responds with one of my all-time favorite promos. Um, and I'm going to do the accent. I might get lost again. But it's so good. Because I'm not going to do it justice. And I know I'm not. Because we've all heard my Geordie before. But the cadence. I urge you to go out and find this. But the cadence Neville has as he's delivering this is. Oh, French kiss, y'all. Nope. Chef's kiss, y'all. Ignore that. Okay, so. Enzo, you arrived onto Monday Night Raw to much, much fanfare. And then in just two short years later, you are dumped on our doorstep like an unwanted little slug. Because nobody else would have you. Hey, if it was left to me, Enzo, I would have left you out in the cold to rot. But it was these gentlemen behind me, the 205 Live roster, these so-called nobodies, that insisted you had an opportunity. Enzo, is this how you repay them? So now, on behalf of the entire Cruiserweight division, Enzo Amore, I am here to end you.
mic drop, fanfare, women pregnant. I just explode. I love it. I think it's so good. I forgot how much I enjoyed this promo until doing research for this episode. But, ah, oh, in my butt. Just put it. Oh, I love it. Love it, love it, love it. Um, it is a, like, cr- like a causeway, a crossway between the two characters. Enzo is definitely on the heel turn. Neville is kind of like on a tweener face sort of turn. Kind of like what he's doing in AEW at the moment where he's like, I fucking hate all of you, but I'm going to hate the bad guys for now. And, yeah, just such good shit. Um, on the 2 or 5 live immediately after this, he defeats Davari once again, but Davari this time has Enzo in his corner. This is all in the build-up to... I don't know if it's already happened by now, but Enzo has that Enzo train. Um, it was Gulak, Davari, and Tony Neese, who I forgot to mention earlier. So those three chaps, they're the Enzo train aboard thing. So whatever. And then... Oh, boy. And then we get to October. And... Neville would have one final live appearance. A part of a series of DQ finishes against Enzo Amore. You keep the belt on Enzo. You keep the um, the heat on Neville. And that would be the, the conclusion of Neville's WWE career. Kind of. Like, imagine there's an asterisk at the end of that line. So, despite the confrontation with Enzo and Raw setting up for a chance of Neville to break out of 205 Live, you know, he's, um, Enzo just said that you could never, like, measure up. Like, I've already made this a main event championship. What did you do? Yada, yada, yada. Neville has done pretty much everything he could possibly do with the division, and they still won't do anything with the division as, as a whole. This could have been a perfect opportunity to put him back on the main main roster with like main roster championships, like Intercontinental Championship, even a tag team belt again. Put him over to SmackDown. They can make use of him on the United States Championship division. Nope. Neville continued to be booked under the purple brand on, on the 19th of October, 2017 edition of Monday Night Raw. Just before show start, Neville walked out of WWE. That night on Raw, he was scheduled to lose yet another match to Enzo Amore. And that decision proved to be the straw that broke the proverbial camel's back. Uh, 411 Mania reported that Neville's frustrations began just after WrestleMania 33. Um, I'm pretty sure I called it 32 earlier. I'm a fucking idiot. Um, Neville's frustrations began just after WrestleMania 33. His kickoff show not being on the DVD, uh, meaning no royalties we spoke about at the time. Uh, Sports Illustrated went even further, stating that he'd actually been unhappy since that January. Looking back, maybe the Cruiserweight Championship win and the match with Tommy End was WWE's way of trying to keep him happy, maybe? Um, That plus Neville learned that Aries had made more in six weeks um, with considerably less travel than Neville would in that same time span. I said it at the time. Uh, when Ares left, he kept bragging about how much money he was making, and it was actually true. Um, so yeah, in the six weeks, in the six week time slot, 
Ares was doing less and making more money than Neville could imagine because, you know, money, contracts, travel, etc. Neville also wasn't fond of being considered nothing more than just a get over guy, sort of like an, enhance an enhancement talent for uh, WWE, trying to get other people over using him. And he'd be looking to break away from WWE to try and re-establish re himself in a similar sort of vein to Drew McIntyre, who obviously by this point, he must have been back with the company then. Either way, we all know the story about Drew McIntyre was part of, was the chosen one, dwindled down the card, 3MB, released, went back to ICW, went to TNA, uh, went to Defiant, uh, re-established himself as one of the best pro wrestlers in the in Europe and then eventually the world they brought him back NXT WWE he's a golden goose now so yeah that's that's all left to Neville wanting to go fuck this shit I'm out and he off off he pops off he pops out of uh Monday Night Raw there were many reactions to Neville walking out um as you can imagine Vince McMahon chairman of WWE and WWE as a whole um, they were both pretty fucking furious with the entire situation. Uh, dirt sheets were comparing it to when CM Punk left the company or when Steve Austin left the company back in 2002. Um, yeah, Vince and co. were not best pleased, but would routinely deny Neville had left the company. Uh, then the story kind of went quiet and then we get into November. Outlets, including Mike Johnson, are... Uh, PW Insider were reporting that talks between Neville and WWE were going well and that there was positive discussions between the two. At the time, one of PW Insider's sources was saying that Neville could return that week. He did not. Uh, he also said that Enzo and Neville were the best of friends backstage, something Neville himself would contradict in an interview with Give Me Sport like a year later. So I think someone at PW Insider needs to double-check their sources in the future. Um, having said that, it was Enzo saying, that, oh, yeah, man, me and... I don't know why I'm Steve-o. Me, ne me and Neville were like the best of bros, man. He was the first person... I was the first person he spoke to when he said he's going to leave the company. Sure you are. Sure you are, buddy. But that is... Where we leave Neville in 2017. Um, his final match on TV against Avari. One final match against Enzo in the live circuit for October. He's like, nope, had enough. I'm out. And contract negotiations sound like they're going well, but there's nothing in stone. That is Neville in 2017. 110 matches overall. An 81.8% win rate, uh, a career best still to this day, 90 wins, 20 losses, 0 draws, a run as Cruiserweight Champion, um, in fact two runs as Cruiserweight Champion throughout the year, will do a great deal to generate lots of wins uh, for a man or woman. And those two runs for the Cruiserweight Championship, he is the first and only one of two people ever to do so, ironically, the other one being Enzo Amore. Um, and at the time... His first run with the championship was the longest reign of this version of the belt by some margin. Still to this day, is the third longest of all time. He finally got a WrestleMania appearance, kind of, in a kickoff show 
title defense against Austin Aries, but we all know how that would end up going in terms of him being happy with the company. And he's still keeping the Cruiserweight division on pay-per-view and on Raw. Across this year, he appeared on eight pay-per-views, including three kickoff shows. Um, and yeah, he's walked out the company, WWF years, but current reports say there are positive discussions with WWE over a possible return. So, where does that take us into 2018? Well, in January 2018, it's reported that WWE has frozen Neville's contract. This company is the worst! Yep, despite PWI, or PW Inside, or PWI Inside, or whatever they're called, saying, Hey, everyone's getting on really well. We might even see Neville back next week. How wonderful. Uh, it's, no. No. They are freezing his contract, which is... So I never quite realized the gravitas of what that meant at the time. Um, I just thought that meant he was just locked. He couldn't go anywhere. He got like a basic bitch pay. He wasn't allowed to appear for other companies. He wasn't allowed to do anything in the public eye without WWE saying okay. Uh, he wasn't going to appear on any shows. And there was going to be an indefinite uh, like stay with the company. What I didn't realize was... When they freeze a contract, he does not get paid. He was getting zero money in. Which I think, how was that not illegal? The fact you can keep a man on a contract but not pay him. That's fucking ridiculous, this company. Um, so yeah, he cannot get paid. He can't work anywhere outside the WWE. Not even on a different continent. At this point, Neville isn't even in... At this point, Neville isn't even living in the United States anymore. It also means that time doesn't pass on his contract. Meaning he is with the WWE indefinitely or until both parties can agree on a release. So, for example, if his contract was scheduled to run out uh, January 2019 and he they freeze it for six months, that means he's not allowed to officially leave or his contract's not allowed to officially expire until June or July 2018. It is a horrendous situation. And I cannot believe we just sort of went, oh man, that's really sad, and moved on. WWE are a horrible company. They are so horrid. Just, oh, it's just everything shit. Um, And that's that was it. Like, that's all that came out for the next six months. Um, There would be, like, little things here and there that said, like, Neville can confirm still frozen. Neville still not come back to WWE. People were fancy booking how they can get bring him back, but it wasn't really a thing. Um, and then on the twenty fourth of August, twenty eighteen, there is a slightly new news uh, breaking news story at the time. It is that it is finally reported. That Neville and WWE have agreed terms for Neville's release. He is no longer under WWE contract and he is free to work with other promotions again. Happy days are hopefully returning to Neville because everyone, like the support he was getting both before and after all this kicked off, like Neville should have been a star. Neville should have been one of the biggest things that WWE ever had. They had such an incredible talent. Um, 
and yeah, they just fucking WWE'd all over themselves. And so everyone's wondering, like, oh, what could he do? Could he go to TNA? Could he go back to the UK? Uh, ICW at that point been bringing up uh, a lot of momentum, same progress. Um, Ring of Honor, maybe. PWG, which, no, you know, you can't really get contracts there, but you know, it's like popping, just popping up in his old stomping grounds. AEW wasn't a thing yet. So his options were kind limited, but go back to Dub X Dub. He could be a belt collector across Europe. There was lots of things he could do. And then, on the 2nd of October, over in the land of the rising sun, Japan, it is night one of Dragon Gate's The Gate of Victory Tour. And there's a couple of new factions, a couple of new stables um, in Dragon Gate these days. One of them is a stable called R.E.D., I forget what it stands for. Um, an R.E.D. member, Ata, is in the ring. Uh, about to do battle against BB Hulk and Shingo Takagi. Uh, this, that is the main event of Night 1. And Ata has been promoting a mystery partner. Partner X, as has been putting on posters and talked about in interviews and that sort of thing. No one knows who it is. And then we get to the match. And then... Ata talks a bit of shit in Japanese and then the lights go down. We are in complete darkness. And when they come back up, 358 days since he walked out of Monday Night Raw to lose to Enzo Amore, the lights come up and our boy is not Neville. Pack is back. Samurai Jack back to pack. He's standing in the ring alongside Ata and they proceed to bollock the shit out of BB Hulk and Shingo Takagi. I I was quite fond of hearing this news. Um, I never sought out a video clip because I'm a fool. I watched it for this and oh my god, it just shivers. I don't know if it's just because I was like so desperate to hear a decent crowd, but obviously Japanese crowds are very different to um North American and European crowds. So it's not so much of them going like a big cheer. It's mostly just a crowd going <gasps> just gasps everywhere. And people going like holy shit, like holy shit, like are you seeing this? I know. And it's just constant noise and murmurings and gas and I'm pretty sure a woman screamed and then yeah, it all kicks off and that's when everyone starts going a bit ape shit and like, oh my God. It was great. It was a great little moment. Um, again, just wished I could have watched it when it happened. I would have hit a lot harder. But uh, even watching it all these years later, very, very good. Uh, Ata and Pack, of course, pick up the win. Um, and it's worth noting that Pack's return to pro wrestling and to Dragon Gate in particular is very significant in a number of ways. Um Pack was obviously a really big player with Dragon Gate before he went to WWE. We spoke about it for five, four, five parts. Go listen to him, please. Um, he was a former Open the Brave Gate champion. He was a Open the Twin Gate champion. He was a two-time Open the Triangle Gate champion. Uh, stuck around a lot for. Let's see if I can remember them all off the top of my head. Um, World One, Typhoon, World One International. And I swear there was a 
third one he was a part of. Pay no attention to the clicking you might hear. I'm definitely thinking about this all by myself. Nope, just looks like those three. I definitely thought about that all by myself and didn't check and look and do something like that. So shh. Um, yeah, a big name for Dragon Gate in the championship scene, in the stable fighting scene. He's just been a big thing for Dragon Gate for a few years. Um, a month prior to Pat coming back, Pac's mate and one of Dragon Gate's biggest stars, Shingo Takagi, announced that he was leaving the promotion. He made it known for a while that he wanted to work in a more open schedule. He wanted to work with other promotions, both uh, in Japan and internationally. This was Takagi's final Kurokuren Hall match with Dragon Gate. Kurokuren Hall is a very big, um, very prestigious venue in the world of Japanese wrestling. Um... And for him to lend his send-off to his old mate Pac and his return to the company and to professional wrestling in general, Shingo, one of the good ones. Um, Shingo would then turn up with New Japan Pro Wrestling less than a week later, aligning himself with Los Ingonables de Japón, leaving a former four-time Open the Dreamgate champion, which is their top title. And I think that's joint record four-time winner. He was the final Open the Awarai haven't pronounced that right, uh, opened the Awari Gate Champion, which I think was a bit more of a comedy belt or like a tertiary belt, a six-time Open the Triangle Gate Champion, a five-time Open the Twin Gate Champion, and the 2010 King of Gate Tournament winner, which is Dragon Gate's version of King of the Ring or the New Japan Cup. So for that kind of caliber superstar to leave your company is one thing. For him to say, this is my last big show in this event, that's another. And for them to give that limelight to pack again Takagi one of the good ones um, as well as Shinjiro Takagi Takagi wasn't the other one who gave in his notice Shima remember him from back in the day Shima had also left the company uh, just prior to this in like, earlier in 2018 after 21 years with the company he was joining Oriental Wrestling Entertainment which is a new have newly found a promotion based in China but with him, it wasn't just like a top-level star in Shima leaving. Shima was also taken with him three of Dragon Gate's biggest on-the-rise talent that they has produced. He took T-Hawk, L. Lindemann, and Takahiro Yamamura. So Dragon Gate were a bit on their ass. Shima had left, Tagagi was about to go, their, their faces for the new generation were all about to leave. It was a bit, a bit dicey for old Dragon Gate. So for Pac to come back and sort of repay that favor that they had given him all those years prior must have really, really like helped them a lot. Um, and just the match themselves. So it was Pac teaming up with Ata against Shingo Takagi and BB Hulk. Pac had had previous with both those men in his first stint with Dragon Gate against Shingo, as well as obviously being like friends backstage. Uh, Pac debuted with Dragon Gate alongside Typhoon. Meanwhile, Shingo was part of Real Hazard. That was between 2007-2008. In 2008, Tagagi briefly joined Typhoon, so they were um, teammates for the second half of 2008. And then in 2019-2011, they were opposite sides again. Pac aligning with World One, Shingo aligning with Kamikaze. They'd be teammates again in Junction 3 throughout 2011. Battled on opposite sides once again. Again, 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 as Pac lined up with uh, World One International 
and took on Akatsuki and Takayama, both featuring Shingo Takagi. So they'd been on opposite side, like battling and being friends for years and years and years. BB Hulk was a similar story. So again, when Pat came in, he was in Typhoon. Hulk was already in World 1 for 2007-2008. And then Pac and BB Hulk would be partners with World 1 for 2009 to 2011. And they would even hold the Open Triangle Gate Championships together alongside Masato Yoshino. They would continue to team after World 1 dissolved against Blood Warriors. Remember this is the time when Blood Warriors were just trying to go out and kill everything. And then when Junction 3 got their brand new name and everyone was like, this is, this is who we are now. Hulk chose there and then to betray Junction 3 and to betray his old mate pack. And that's when he joined Blood Warriors himself. And so for the final couple of years that pack was with junk pack was with dragon gate pack was in junction three against hulk who was in blood warriors and then when both those groups fell apart pack was part of world War international and bb hulk was part of mad blanky and that's when pack would leave the company proper so the history that the guys had in this tag team match, the history that Pac had for Dragon Gate, it is an understated moment in the world of Japanese professional wrestling for Pac to go back to Dragon Gate and something that I think um, I kind of wish more about at the time because so, it, it was a huge deal for all involved. So, yeah, Pac is back with... Um, Dragon Gate, it does seem to be on a permanent basis because he continued with the Gate of Victory Tour alongside R.E.D. He is now a proper member of the stable. He had one final match with Shingo Takagi on night two as Pac teamed up with Big R Shimitsu? Shimitsu. Uh, ben K, who I've been watching more of recently, and he's fucking brilliant, Ben K. I really like watching his matches. And uh, Takashi Yoshida against Maximum. Jason Lee, Masato Yoshina, and Naruki Doi, who all teamed up with Shingo Takagi. There's also previous between uh, Pac and Masato Yoshino, and Pac and Naruki Doi as well. So, Pac is just going through his greatest hits at the moment, and like, remember me, you bastards, I'm so much angrier now. Uh, in Pac's return month in October, he lost but one match throughout it all. In a match alongside R.E.D., he lost to Natural Vibes, which was comprised of Genki Horiguchi, uh, KZ, Susumu Yokosuka, and Yashi. Uh, this was all for Genki Horiguchi's 20th anniversary homecoming event, so it just makes sense for the good guy to win, and for like, oh, it's your birthday, you can win, kind of. And as well as going through like his greatest hits from when he was in Dragon Gate before, rekindling old rivalries, um, looking at old friends, he... Pack was in the ring with some of Dragon Gate's newer stars that have been built since Pack had been away. Uh, so, Kaito Ishida, Jason Lee, Ben Kay, and Shun Skywalker, who is now a former Open the Brave Gate champion. Open the Dream Gate champion, the big one. I get confused. We then go into November. Pack's still with Dragon Gate at the Gate of Destiny pay per view. Uh, he defeats Flamita. Flamita, a former AAA or AAA R. Performer, he is a former Open the Brave Gate champion, a former Open the Triangle Gate champion, a former Progress Tag Team champion, and present day he appears for a Ring of Honor where uh, at the time I wrote down the notes, 
He is a co-holder of the world's six-man tag team championships. He's also just had a really cool triple threat match with Ray Horace and someone. Three Lucha Libre guys just doing flippy shit in like 10 minutes. I haven't watched it yet, but it sounds fucking mental and I need to watch it. We continue to proceed through the Gate of Evolution tour. R.E.D. versus Maximum and Tribe Vanguard. Some more factions as part of Dragon Gate now. He would make his European comeback um, in a in kind of bizarre circumstances. So it's for Courage Wrestling, a company I must admit I am not the most familiar with. Um, took place at their Courage 2 event in County Dublin, Ireland. In a Fatal 4-way match, it is Pac versus Joe Coffey versus Alexander Dean versus the eventual winner, Tucker, who is a former NXT UK alumni. Pac then travels back to Ref Pro and at, a, at an event labeled Ref Pro, Pac is back. This is just like the hype that the UK audience had for Pac at the time and still to this day, to be honest. Um, in Portsmouth, England, Pac defeated Mike Bailey. That's Speedball Mike Bailey, a common face on the end of the scene. He's performed with DDT, Double Step, Progress, Rev Pro, Attack, and Defiant. Uh, Pac even challenged for a championship at the COW, don't call it cow, heavyweight championship in a three-way match between Pac, Cash Money Irkin, and Oliver Carter. Um, COW Championship of Wrestling. This will take a place in Sorland. Germany, Oliver Carter, um, and a NXT, current NXT UK superstar. He often tag teaming with Ashton Smith. Pack finishes up his European dates and then travels back to Japan for the Gate of Evolution. We go into December and in the opening night of the Fantastic Gate Tour, Pack challenges Masasa Yoshino. Remember, were all those um, battles and tag teams? Oh, well, they were open the Triangle Gate champions together all those years ago. Years and years of a relationship between them. But Pac is challenging for Masato Yoshino's Open the Dreamgate Championship. Which Pac only goes and bloody wins. He is Dragon Gate's top champion now. Um, and the match itself is a great time. Um, Pac just starts battering him during the UK National Anthem. Which is so good. It's so good. Like... Da, 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 da. Wait, no, that's fucking... Is that Russia? Fucking hell, I'm... Jesus Christ. Da, 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 da. Smack, 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 smack. The crowd hated it because of the whole thing of like national anthem, but we don't give a fuck. Prince Philip just died and we don't even want a day off for it. Um, RED members try to get themselves involved and then Pac hits the, the newly christened Black Arrow. Probably was called a Black Arrow in WWE if I've got to write it down. But a match winning Black Arrow, somehow he made a move where he's jumping off the turnbuckle, looks so much stiffer than usual. It looks so brutal. He bounced like a foot in the air after the impact. So, so gnarly. But Pac is your brand new Open the Dreamgate champion. And, oh, this is where he's supposed to be. He's meant to be a world champion. It just feels right. Um, he continued with the Fantastic Gate tour alongside RED against like the Tribe, Vanguard, and Maximum. And then he comes back to the UK for Christmas. How lovely. He competes for the British Wrestling Revolution Cruiserweight Championship, which feels a bit weird considering he's a world champion, but whatever. Um, a lot of like triple threat and fake four-way matches, so he doesn't have to take the pin because the whole thing with Pac and the Open Dream Gate Championship is that he's meant to look strong. Um, 
that becomes a bit more of a factor later on. He doesn't want to like he wants to look strong. He also doesn't want to like make Dragon Gate look weaker, which I think is probably the the closer to um misspoke. Um, and elsewhere, when he's in England, whilst he's in England, he defeats Tiger Ali for forefront wrestling. Um, and that is Pack in 2018, and that's it for this part. It's a lot shorter because he only wrestled for about the equivalent of a year. Um, like he spent almost a year away from professional wrestling. He walked out on Monday Night Raw. He wouldn't appear for 358 days before he was back with Dragon Gate. 36 matches in 2018, which I still think is a lot, but then that's, again, Dragon Gate's crazy touring schedule. Uh, 66.7% win rate, 24 wins, 12 losses. Um, again, three months worth of action. But the big thing is Pac, Pac, P-A-C, not Neville, is back. And the man behind it all, Benjamin Sally, is back in professional wrestling. He's back with Dragon Gate. He's got himself a new stable. He's a prominent member of the stable in R.E.D. And he ends the year as your Open the Dreamgate champion. And yeah, that is it for this part. The next part sees me go through 2019 all the way up to the current day. So I have to be fucking doing research right to the very end. How upsetting. Um, and then take a, little, a wee bit of time off to do some research. And we will come back with a brand new season. I already know who I'm going to do. I'm not going to say it yet. I'm going to save it so I can put some content online because that's what you do. Um, but thank you very much for sticking around at Lifetime Booking if you want to come and talk shit about me on Facebook, Twitter, or Instagram. If you want to tell me I'm doing all right, you can also do that at all those handles as well. And yeah, so as I'm recording this, it is the Sunday after Black Wednesday where more and more people seem to be getting fired. Oh, sorry, not even Black Wednesday, just April 15th. Um, more and more wrestlers seem to be getting sacked. Samoa Joe, The Iconics, Tucker, Mojo Rawley, Mickey James. Oh, it's all so grim to be a wrestling fan. I think it was Sean Ross Sapp who found someone who said, so it's a friend of a friend of a friend, um, WWE reminding people that this is not a family, it is a company. So... I urge people to either, if you can, I know money's tight for everyone, support all your favorite wrestlers, regardless of they just being released off, off of WWE, just in general, support the wrestlers you enjoy, support the wrestling you enjoy, and there are alternatives. Trust me, there are plenty of alternatives for whatever kind of wrestling you enjoy. Go find them. Um, there's a really, really fun world of wrestling out there that you haven't enjoyed yet, so... Give that a go. That's how I really got into New Japan. I'm really enjoying Joshi Pro Wrestling at the moment. Um, and it's all because I got... I th ironically enough, it was all because of Black Wednesday last year where I was like, I'm just so bored of liking a company that just hates its employees and hates its fan base. So that's what I do in my spare time now. And yeah, I'm going to start talking more about wrestling that I like on Twitter. So... Come hang out for that, if nothing else. But until such time, at Lifetime Booking, like I said, come hang out, come say hi, and I will see you next week for our final installment into the life and career of PAC.